Alright, you primitive screwheads, listen up. Oh my god, I smell shenanigan! I have no idea what's going on, but I am excited! Yeah, baby, yeah! Ever dance with the devil in the pale Inconceivable! Cowabunga! I thought this was a party! It's two Moskis and a podcast. With Eric and Jeff. I think you're crazy and really psycho. Well, and here we are with two nerdskis with a pot. Two nerds. What the mother? It's two nerdskis in a podcast, everybody. The one show where two nerdskis come together. You are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> we're the one show where two nerdskis come together and talk about everything pop culture and entertainment. I'm not cutting that. Um, we need to show that we're human after all. Uh, but, anyways, I'm one of your nerdskis. This is Eric. And I'm Jeff, and I'm the one who uh, tends to fuck up a little bit less, apparently. Uh, <laughs> if you say so, but... Just uh, tell me well, dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it's, uh, it's good to hear your voice, sir. I'm glad that we're back to doing more shenanigans as usual. Um, so today, it's a little interesting, because, um, well... I, I, I so I'll preface this when I saw what Jeff said this is what he wanted to talk about I was like okay I'm not too sure where you're going with this I feel so, like that's, I feel like that's your reaction to like half the half of my picks well okay <laughs> yeah you had, most, you had that exact same reaction to to targets but targets was good Targets really surprised me. That really oh, actually turned out to be a really good movie. I wonder how you felt about this one. <laughs> um, we'll get to that. But anyways, today um, we are talking about the 1987 psychological horror thriller called The Stepfather, not the 2009 remake. Um, I funny, I actually, I remember the remake like being advertised all over the fucking place. Um, did not hear good things about it, though. I actually saw that remake in theaters. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> i take it wasn't very good i mean i was like 14 when it came out so i would consume whatever bullshit my friends would dread would want to go see mm-hmm. it was one of those movies where you for- you forgot about it the moment you left the theater because so, i'm not gonna remember <laughs> this in t-minus one day yeah i already forgot thank you yeah, johns well, well actually actually uh re-watching this or uh not re-watching uh watching this movie for <laughs> Because I've actually never seen uh, the original film uh, until uh, uh, okay. until prior to doing this uh, this episode, I looking uh, looking into it. I was uh, looking into all the sequels, and then I saw the remake, and I'm like, "Oh, that fucking movie!" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I uh, so then I guess before we really start in our thoughts, because believe me, we'll get there. But so basically, so this was released in 1987. Uh, directed by Joseph Rubin. Um, he's done a lot of family films. This keeps up the tradition in a very twisted way, very fucked up twisted way. And um, stars Terry O'Quinn, who, um, if anyone remembers the show Lost, he was a big, he was a major character in that show. And I know, Jeff, you really liked that show, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I've always liked Terry O'Quinn because I remember watching him. So, 
I saw him on the remake of Hawaii Five O. He he played like the mentor to Steve McGarrett in that series. Uh, and I always liked his character, and I always thought that Terry O'Quinn was pretty good. And um, I, I not to pull a red letter media, but I've also I also remember him as Admiral. I think Admiral Prescott from uh, the Pegasus episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation, where they're looking for the they're looking for the uh, Starfleet um, cloaking device uh, that's not supposed to exist because of a treaty between the Starfleet and the Romulans. And so, uh, yeah, I'm going on that tangent. I remember this episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation. It was called Admiral. No, it was called the Pegasus, and uh, freaking freaking. Uh, Riker had to uh, do this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is what happens when you start when you watch Red Letter Media and you're also a Star Trek fan. But sorry, dude. Do you all see what I got to fucking put up with? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What were we gonna say though? Uh, I, I was gonna say uh, like I haven't watched the new Hawaii Five O series, but. I feel like half the cast of Lost shows up in that show eventually. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, like, already the show, I mean, that show stars, like, Daniel Day Kim for up until, like, season, I think it was either 9 or 10. Um, because, of, well, he and Grace Park both left because of, like, unequal pay, um, which is really kind of, it's pretty messed up, actually. Um, but they, it is what it is, um, which is unfortunate. You would think that, everyone would be of more equal pay, but I guess when you're not really, when you're not the two big main stars uh, of that show, eh, well, cut when, your losses. Uh, well, when you're uh, going through shit like that, just do what that lethal weapon show did. Just, just recast with Sean William Scott. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you're right though. So the, uh, the big guy, I forgot what his name. It was like Harley or whatnot. Uh, no, not yeah, Harley. Uh, Jorge Garcia. Jorge, yeah. Jorge Garcia. He shows up as like a main character in that show. So yeah, a lot of like a lot of actors from uh, Lost showed up in um, Hawaii Five O, and of course Terry O'Quinn was in there, like I said. But anyways, um, but yeah, um, I so basically the plot of this is you have a very a very messed up man who uh, likes to marry widows and become stepfathers of families and once those families fuck up he kills them and then moves on to the next family and uh entry it was i mean so before before i officially go into my thoughts what i would like to know jeff so why ultimately you kind of maybe hinted at it but i would like to ultimately know what made you choose this for your pick so basically I was drunk one night and I found this movie on Tubi and I fucking love Terry O'Quinn. So I thought, fuck it. We're doing this movie. What? That is actually not the answer I was expecting at all. But you know what? I'll fucking take it. Mm. Oh God. Uh, yeah. So I, this is one of those movies cause I, I'm a big fan of eighties, eighties uh, horror movies. And this is one of those movies that I always uh, it was always on my list and, you know, I just figured, uh, you know what? It, it's like barely 90 minutes. Like I've been meaning to see this anyway. I'll give it a shot. And I mean, I guess we'll jump into our thoughts. I didn't know what to expect, but God damn, I was entertained by this movie. It's definitely, it's not like, uh, 
it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but in terms of crafting a decently constructed thriller with on a pretty uh, pretty small budget, uh, I mean, really, the main reason to see this movie is for Terry O'Quinn because he is fucking amazing in this movie. Yeah, he definitely is. He's by far the best part of this movie, and um, I guess you're a little bit more positive on this than I am. So I'm gonna be really honest with you. That's why we do didn't, it. I didn't really care for this one all that much. Okay. Um, now, do I think this is a horrible movie? Absolutely not. Do I think this is this is a bad movie? Absolutely not. Do I actually think this movie's pretty good? Eh, I don't know. It, it's hard to nail it down for me, but overall, if I can say, if I can like sum it up in like maybe a couple words, I don't know. It's, I mean. Basically, with my my history of horror films, is I've I've slowly gotten into horror um, since I went to film school. But I I mean I definitely appreciate what the genre has done. I appreciate uh, a lot of the, a lot of horror movies. Um, I think my one of my favorite horror movies is The Exorcist because um, when you watch that movie, it's not really it's it's I mean the it's not really about The Exorcist. It's really more about a man who is trying to um, rediscover his faith and he does that through an exorcism um, so at least that's what I got out of it so here um, I don't know like I will say this had Terry O'Quinn not starred in this movie had it been someone else I don't think I would have liked it um, but I, I don't know for me I definitely think it, it's definitely not a bad movie it's definitely it. there, there is complete quality in here there is enough to keep it going but for me i'm like and it's not it's just not doing it for me so i think uh i think with uh with a movie like this it's really one of those things where it uh it takes like a c level screenplay but the but the lead actor elevates it to at least a b to make it Mm -hmm. to make it a satisfactory enough experience. And, and like I said, like this movie's barely 90 minutes. It's, uh, you know, like it, it's over and done with before you know it, 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 uh, it's well paced. Uh, it, uh, it does just enough to, to hold your attention. And it's not one of those movies that's going to stick with you for the, for the rest of your life. I mean, it's, I mean, there's tons of, uh, tons of like other, other, uh, eighties horror movies in the genre to, to choose from. Uh, but, I like to go for the ones that people don't talk about as much. Like this movie has garnered a decent cult following over the years, and uh, and yeah, there were a couple a couple of sequels. Terry uh, Quinn only came back for the second one, and uh, I heard, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I watched that movie immediately after. It's uh, again, it, that one takes a D script, and Terry Quinn still makes it a B minus. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so this was so. This was a C script. Uh, so the first stepfather was a C script. He makes it a B move, a B plus movie, and then you're saying it's a D movie, D level script for the sequel, and he elevates it to at least a B minus. Interesting well, at least, rating. At least, at least uh, it's because uh, yeah, the the sequel like kind of does the, the does the shit that tons of uh, horror sequels did back in the day was uh, uh, certain points where it, it definitely just. Uh, retreads elements but it at least tackled it uh tackled the story from a a kind of interesting perspective because in uh in this movie in the in the first one 
uh, after, uh, what the hell's his name? Uh, after Jerry Blake, uh, Terry O'Quinn's character, uh, well, the, the first, the first scene, uh, I think is very effective. Actually, uh, I think that's probably for me, that's probably the best scene in the entire movie. Oh yeah. Or, or definitely at least one of the most effective scenes, like you said. Um, but no, go ahead. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, and so after, uh, after you see the aftermath of this grisly murder that, uh, that he, that he just committed, it uh, then it flash flashes forward and he's already, uh, already married in, into a, into a home, uh, mm-hmm. with a new family. But uh, stepfather two actually kind of, uh, kind of shows the, uh, the gradual process of that. Uh, so it's, uh, and again, like it makes no fucking sense how he's still alive but it's just one of those things where you just gotta say fuck it just give me more terry o'quinn being cool (laughs) (laughs) well i wanted to so i guess what we can where we can really start was kind of like the official background behind this movie's making and we can also of course talk about the movie itself but so i thought it was fascinating the story behind the movie so um it's loosely based on john list who um in 1971 november 9th 1971 list proceeds to well i guess leading up to it so um he was he worked in some insurance company or whatnot i guess he made a good living but for whatever reason he got fired and laid off he lied to the family that he was still at work but in reality he was trying to find another job and then on that fateful day he snapped proceeds to take his nine millimeter stare 1912 semi-automatic handgun and his father's Colt 22 caliber revolver and proceeds to murder his family. Um, he then, he covers it all up because he's a fucking neat freak, uh, says that, oh, we're on a family, la- family vacation. Everything's all handy dandy or whatnot. Um, and so no one bats an eye. Nearly a month later on December 7th, um, at the, you know, the rest of the neighborhood gets suspicious. They call the cops cops show up and they're like oh my god and um terry o'quinn uh, <laughs> terry o'quinn we'll talk about him later but yeah john list is never found because he had cut out his image or cut a, cut himself out from all the pictures clever fucking bastard um it took 18 years to find the sob so what ultimately got him was in ni- may of 1989 um, the 18 year old crime I'm reading from the official Wikipedia article on John list, but so on America's most wanted, um, in its first year, they share, they, um, featured an age progressed clay bus sculpted by uh, forensic artist, Frank Bender. And apparently the bust turned out to be a very close resemblance to list actuals appearance. And so I guess someone watched the episode recognized him and was like oh fuck i know who this is and so the cops proceeded to arrest him in that 18 year period he had actually uh remarried had a new family and was living in a different part of the country like what the serious fuck it took that fucking long to get the guy wow what a fucking mind job man i mean hey um, it's it's uh when you think about it, oh, that's a hell of a premise for a movie. It is arguably, arguably the premise. So I get, so I mean, the premise 
is pretty i mean it's fascinating like i like the idea i do like the idea of a, a serial killer who um marries into like a widowed families um wants to be part of the wants to be part of a family but the moment they mess up he's like you're fucking dead and he kills them all and then he moves on to the next family but and not only and, that, like well not only that like he like he creates a whole new identity. The and- process behind him making those new identities is really, you can tell that like, so I was watching like a video by good, bad flicks earlier today um, on the stepfather and the, the guy who the guy making the video surmised that maybe this was maybe his fourth or third, his third or fourth family he had murdered because you can tell just how meticulous and how well planned he plans it out. Um, yeah, like, so, it, like, like he, like he has a routine. Like, Oh yeah. Like you can tell that this isn't his first time doing this. Absolutely. Um, and it, it's fucking creepy. It uh, is. No, it, it really it is. Cause it, uh, well, cause it, uh, what I think, uh, I think now's the point where, where, uh, we go, uh, oh yeah, we can talk into the movie for sure. Yeah, so back to Terry O'Quinn. <laughs> I think part well, of can the- we start with that opening scene because I I yes. want to really talk about that opening scene. So, um, so um, you like when you first open it up, like it seems everything seems handy dandy, and then like you see you zoom in on that house, um, and then the blinds close in the bathroom, and then you see like. He's staring into the window. He's staring into the mirror, and you can tell he's all bloodied up. He's like, "Oh, well, that was fast." <laughs> and you see how he just like he has a suitcase ready. He throws like all his clothes in there. Um, I have a note here. Um, I really didn't need to. See- so here's my one critique of this moment. I did not need to see Terry O'Quinn's dick. <laughs> I'm I'm like, oh come on, like the moment. So like. You know, they, Eric, they cut are, to that upper wide are, shot, that upper wide shot of like him dropping trowel and uh, and uh, going into the shower. And I'm like, oh, God, no, please don't. No. Are you saying that you want that moment? No. From, from, from the movie. Are you saying you Stop want that it. moment? Are Stop you, it. Are you saying you want that moment from the movie Lost? Ah, I'll see myself out. Ah. You know, maybe, do, do you know how many puns I have to deal with? from with josh already hi josh (laughs) hi josh (sighs) god anyways i really i really do like that moment because he's he definitely he's yeah he's very meticulous and then like he's you see him like shave his beard and uh cut his hair and he's already got a new hairstyle and everything he's he's no longer wearing like uh a buttoned up like a buttoned up like plaid shirt or what and jeans and he's all so when we see him all cleaned up he's in a new suit with a new haircut um he's got everything he's got everything like in that suitcase he picks up the suitcase he walks out of the bathroom and uh he's walking down the hallway he sees the toy and you can see how he's he has ocd and he's it's kind of a clean freak and he puts the toy away into the like the i guess one of his kids' toy boxes goes down the stairs. Everything seems fine. Then you hear you well. You hear the first indication is you hear the phone uh, disconnected and beeping, um, and then you see the uh, tr- hand, the bloodied hand trail on the wall alongside the stairs. Um, pan over, and there's a fucking family dead. 
the mother, the kids, I think even the fucking dog. Oh no. And yeah, I'm like and, and what rumor makes, did not live in this one. I'm sorry. And like what makes this so effective, I think, is it uh because I, I think showing the aftermath of a kill is just as disturbing as as like actually showing it. Yeah. And, in this case, I'm going to agree because you do not want to know how he killed these people. How he killed these people, and the fact that he he just waltzes right past them, and the moment he he leaves the house, he just starts whistling the tune. Um, it's Camp Town Races. Um, I remember we had to sing that song for like third grade. Um, you may- <laughs> well, I, well, uh, I hope, well, I hope you think back on that with a whole new perspective. Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I'll tell you this. There's a certain movie that we're going to talk about at some point, and there's a song in that movie that I can't think of anymore because of the scene it's associated with. <laughs> I, think I, know, I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yep. yep. So, um, so yeah, he's. It, but what's yeah? What's so really creepy about this moment is just how he's just he just whistles Camptown races. He's treating like everything's fine. You know, I didn't just. Sure, I just murdered that family, but everything's fine. Even yeah. like, w- even like waving to the neighbors and everything. He's like, "Hey, folks, how you doing? Woohoo!" <laughs> yeah, and so, uh, yeah, he just breezes by, and then like when he takes the ferry to a new town, um, he throws that uh, suitcase into the water, or he just places it over, tips it over, and it goes sinking down into uh, the lake. I think, and then we cut to a year later, and we see Stephanie played by a Jill. Is it Jill Schloyan? All I know is that she's a scream queen. Um, this is all I know. And um, yeah, she's she's very distrustful of Jerry, her new stepdad. And um, she also she's also well, she loves her mom. It's very clear. But, you know, she clearly misses her father. Um, it's not it's it's explained that her father passed. Um, we don't know how he, he died, but we just know he did. Um Jerry has brought home a new dog over, t- um, and uh, I'm like, oh, look at that little, look at that little puppy. Oh, yeah, so like, she like, yeah, I mean, she likes the dog, but you know, she's just like not very trusting of Jerry. So, um, and uh, this guy clearly, uh, I mean, it's very clear that Stephanie does not like him. I've said that already. So, you know, Jerry wants to fit in and like be there. So, I wrote here in my notes, and I, I remember this moment too. So, like, when she's like. Jerry, you're perfect. I'm like, no, you're not. Fuck you. <laughs> Terry you O'Quinn is perfect. Family. You shut your fucking mouth. Shut the fuck up. You killed a fucking family. I'll do <laughs> what? What? <sighs> oh man. So uh something I wanted to really touch on. Uh so with uh when it comes to Terry O'Quinn's performance, what I think makes makes it all the more creepy is that if you took if you just took his scenes you know just like trying to trying to be uh trying to be a a good dad in pure isolation Mm -hmm. you would not think that it's that this dude was a serial killer because what i think uh what makes uh his performance so so well done is that is the way that he's able to just flip on a dime from seeming like he genuinely cares about uh, about his wife and stepdaughter, and the in his tone of voice, it sounds like that he's being sincere. And then when he starts flipping out, it's like, 
God. Oh, he's, when he flips really out, he flips, flips Sounds like up. he's really flipping the fuck out. Oh, yeah. Especially and, so, especially and, when he and, sees that article from uh, about the previous killing of that of the of the family at the beginning and uh when like stephanie has to go down to uh the basement to get ice cream she just he he, she hears him come in and he she he just watches him like freak the fuck out he's like everything he's just like banging everything and everything well and and when you're uh uh and when you're performing something like that it uh it can either come off as you know, something like it could just be goofy and just not taken seriously, or it could be something like Nick Cage, where it's <laughs> it's you're you're just in pure fascination by it. <sighs> or or in cases like this, I think where it actually puts you on edge. Why wasn't Nick Cage like the stepfather in the remake? That would have been so much better. People would have remembered it then. Oh yeah, instead of Dylan Walsh. Um, nothing against Dylan Walsh, um, but. Uh, yeah, I think someone like Nick Cage would have made that remake so much better. Like I said, definitely memorable. But uh, I, I want to go back to like, so there's a piece of editing that I really like. Um, so Jerry's driving Stephanie home. And, and I guess so Stephanie has been getting into fights at school um, and she's been suspended multiple times. And so Jerry's like, you know what? How about this year? You're not getting into any fights. Cut immediately to a cat fight. <laughs> yep. <laughs> And I like how she gives like the teacher some sass and like he, she just uh, takes some green paint and just prints him, prints her hand onto him. Uh, she gets expelled for it, but still uh, I thought that was, I thought that was a nice little neat bit of editing just there. <laughs> just like, uh, how about no fights? Cat fight. <laughs> uh, but she's been seeing, but I, so I do like, so I guess another reason why I I didn't care for this movie all that much is probably because I've seen the movies that have followed up on this in terms of like, I guess following the, following the idea of like a family member or like someone who enters like someone's life into the family and they're not all they appear to be or whatnot. Kind of like um, looking at you, Macaulay Culkin and the good son. I've never seen it. Really? <laughs> I thought you did. I mean, I know we've definitely seen the Nostalgia Critics review of it, which was entertaining as shit, but it reminded me of something like that where... Um, Side note, fuck Doug Walker. Um, Yeah, it's unfortunate what happened to him, or unfortunate about him, though, but... But, yeah, I don't know. But I will say, so, it, I do like Stephanie's arc a little bit. Uh, not a whole lot, but, you know, I, I like that, you know, she's she's a she's a she's someone who you know is really trying to move on like or i mean well okay maybe not moving on but the point is is she's very she's struggling with herself she has no idea how to move on past her father i mean obviously she doesn't trust jerry she can hear jerry banging her mom in the next room over so she puts on headphones uh by the way when uh when we see uh when we see jerry and uh susan uh have sex like he clearly, he's just like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm so uncomfortable by you making these noises. Someone please send, <laughs> someone please send help. But the point is, is you can kind of tell how he's, how he's just like, you know, he's doing everything he can to fit in. So you can kind of see like this glimpse of him 
trying to like enjoy this or whatnot. He's he's kind of just there. But I, I, I would actually kind of compare it to uh, to like the beginning of Breaking Bad, where uh, we're like where he, he's like trying to uh, trying to like uh, find a way to unleash all this adrenaline from doing all this horrible shit. And, uh, and he he take, takes it in the bedroom and then gets to a point where uh, you're going too far, man. That's right. I forgot about that moment. That's a good moment. I forgot about that. But um, so but yeah, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember some other things about this, but I remember. Um, so obviously, like we said, you know, Jerry is like unraveling the whole entire time throughout the movie. So at one point, um, at one point, uh, Stephanie's like therapist her best, like one of her like closest friends, um, a doctor, oh God, was it? Oh, Dr. A. Bondurant. Um, you know, he wants to talk to Jerry because he wants to, um, you know, he wants to be able to um, help her out. Uh, like, you know, want wants to connect with him so that he can better, um, he can better help Stephanie out with her relationship with him. Um, actually, I made it, I like the, I like the note, I, I left a note for myself here about like Jerry's job. So Jerry is working as a real estate agent and I'm like, that fits him. They're all about that killer deal. I'm done. <laughs> Fuck this uh, show, I'm done. <laughs> I was too stupid. <laughs> I swear to God though, this movie is full of like, kind of like dumb, like killer puns. And it's like, remember, so like when she gets expelled, like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna tell your dad? No, he's gonna kill me. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Wait, okay, wait till you. <laughs> I don't know if we'll ever do the second one, but if we do, the second movie is no. full of that shit. <laughs> no, already just like no does not compute. <sighs> hmm. Uh, but yeah. Anyways, so. We see that um, Bondurant has decided to pose as a buyer, potential buyer for this one house. And so um, he meets up with Cherry at this house and uh, he kind of play. he kind of like he's, you know, he's asking fa- he's asking questions to Jerry about certain things. And Jerry gets suspicious. And unfortunately, that proves to be the undoing of Bondurant because uh, he takes that four by four and just beats the fuck out of him to death. Um, I have no, I, I, I was going to say a pun. I'm going to spare Jeff, uh, that pun out of everyone's, <laughs> out of everyone's sanity, but no, I actually, so it funny, fa- fun fact about that. Apparently that was supposed to be a little bit gorier, but they cut it down cause they didn't, they didn't want to make this a complete slasher. And you can, t- you can tell that this has kind of um instances of almost a slasher film but what separates it is um the the psychological like break of jerry's uh disguise yeah i mean i would say it's uh it's one of those anomalies where if you told me that this was a slasher movie i wouldn't fully disagree uh but i would i would definitely classify it as a psychological thriller but it definitely like tries to combine a lot of those elements and I feel like during, uh, like whenever they're doing uh, a kill scene, it, uh, it it's on the verge of being like pure '80s slasher territory. But 
it's uh but but like you said uh, the way it was uh, kind of cut down a little bit it uh, it pulls back just enough to where it it doesn't really detract from uh from the uh from the tone of the movie yeah so it, it feels relatively uh relatively consistent mm-hmm well, meanwhile, so during the during this entire time, well, mean meanwhile, you have uh, Jim Ogilvy. Ogilvy, I guess is how you pronounce Jim Ovaltine, whatever. <laughs> well, anyways, his name is his name is Jim. He is the brother of the wife uh, that was murdered at the beginning of the movie. So he's essentially the brother-in-law of Cherry's uh, previous identity. Um, and so he's, he's, you can tell, you can definitely tell he wants to bring this guy to justice and he's very distraught by all of this. And so I would, and so, um, how did you feel about that part of that? Like B plot? Um, I was, I mean, I I was interested, but then I felt like by the end it was disposed of way too quickly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's an, I like, well, I do like you know how Jim is discovering how this guy is um how this guy is trying to discover trying to find his his wife's killer i mean uh, no not his well, wife well also his, his well, sister's also, killer oh, sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead uh, i was just going to say um uh, uh cuz you see how uh like how precise Jerry is on covering his tracks uh th- like there's even a scene where you know his uh, his stepdaughter tries to uh tries to uh request a, a photo from a from like a local paper on, yeah. a, on who you know she's suspecting that you know it's him but but then once he once sherry sees the envelope he swaps out the pictures and mm. it's like oh that that's fucking smart well prior and, to that prior to that you see another freak moment he's just like god damn it <laughs> and i will say and i will always i will always um you know Terry O'Quinn, whenever he freaks out, that's some of the best acting I've seen. I honestly, because I, because in uh, it's been it's been a while since I've seen Lost, but uh, uh, but in Lost, he he played uh, friendly and intimidating very very well, and uh, I don't remember him really freaking out too many times, and so to see him kind of be unleashed like that. It was very unexpected, but holy shit, it, it kind of offered up a new perspective for me on Terry O'Quinn. It made me respect the man. Well, that's always the mark of a good actor, you know, depending oh, on the role. If it demands if it demands that you need to go a little crazy, you go a little crazy. If it demands you need to be more well, calm and sincere or calculating, well, you have I, well, actually, like that. Well, actually, this was his uh, this was his first starring role, I believe. And and, uh, you know, he didn't think much of it you know while uh while making it you know because it it's the height of the 80s 80s slasher uh slasher mm-hmm. craze and so you just kind of saw it as that but he just brought he brought so much to the role that i mean he was he was nominated for for a saturn award first yeah I, I read about that yeah he uh, he did get some nominations um which i thought i mean like he definitely he definitely deserved it because uh, again he literally is the best part of this entire movie. Had he not been part of this production, this movie would not have worked. It it probably would have just blended in with the crowd uh, of a lot of other movies from that era. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like Terry O'Quinn alone makes me want to recommend this movie, like especially to anyone I knew who who watched Lost back in the day. 
like mm-hmm. uh because it's uh, it's one of those things where you uh if there's an actor you you like and then you want to and then you kind of see something that they did uh before that thing you know them for and it's uh, it's one of those uh i'm trying, trying to think of a really good example uh it, it, it's like if you saw like friday the 13th because uh uh, because you heard Kevin Bacon was in it. Oh, I know Kevin Bacon. And then you you watch that, and well, not the best example because because Kevin Bacon doesn't do shit in that movie. But point is, uh, whenever there's an actor that you you respect and you want to check out their older work, and you you see one that kind of piques your interest, but then you you watch it, and it just completely. Uh, alters your perspective on how you viewed that actor because it uh, kind of shows like, wow, I didn't know he had that much range or I've never seen this side of him. It's kind of like how when you watch, let's so going off of that, it's kind of like when you watch someone like, I'd say maybe, so I'll use Jackie Chan as an example. We talked about Jackie Chan in Police Story. Uh, you know, we've always seen Jackie... Um, be more of a comedic heroic actor we've never seen him play a villain at all um he's done some he maybe did a few serious roles in hong kong for the police story series but the first time like most a national international audience saw him be completely serious was in the foreigner where he plays this father who um loses his daughter to a bombing or terrorist bombing and uh you know it there's nothing funny about that whatsoever and but the point is he does not play a cat. He does not play. There is no comedy in it whatsoever. He he's very serious and he's all about uh, getting revenge for his daughter. And Jackie gives like one of the best performances I've probably seen from anything in his movies. Like I will always love something like legend of the drunken master or um, enjoy any of his, um, any of his other like moment roles from let's say like rush hour and, uh, definitely police story, but it's always nice when you see an actor try something different. Also kind of like short Schwarzenegger. Um, I know I haven't seen it and we'll probably, we'll talk about this movie at some point, but from what I understand, you've said this to me too, that, um, when he plays, when he plays a father in a more dramatic role in the movie Maggie, um, that's an, that shows that not only has he like, you know, not only has he had more experience, but he probably has more range as an actor. And it's finally being, um, it's finally being revealed and expressed because he probably had a really good script and a good director behind him. So, you know, it always just depends on how the script is and how the director wants you to approach it. And or say- also, also how an actor will approach the script as well. Oh yeah, I was because uh, I was, I was going to say the uh, the polar opposite can also apply where you uh, uh, were like a list actor nowadays, and then you and then you see something that they did super early in their career, and it's just loads of what the fuckery. And What's I think a good what, example? Because there's Matthew quite a few. Matthew McConaughey in Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next <laughs> Generation. Have you seen clips of that? Um. No, but I know that it is Renee Zellweger also in that movie. She is. And the movie. Okay. The movie itself. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. I hate it, but it is so goddamn funny. And (laughs) Matthew McConaughey is like full Nick Cage in that movie. It's glorious. Like I, 
it's wonderful. I'm going to send you a clip of that later. Well, that also reminds me too, because uh, it reminds me of someone. So to bring up one of Jeff's uh, Lord and Saviors, actually his Lord and Savior, Jeff Goldblum. So, you know, Jeff Goldblum is known for, <laughs> you know, Jeff Goldblum's known for playing a lot of like uh, uh, science, smart c- characters and scientists. Um, Dr. Uh, Ian Malcolm, um, obviously, what's his character's name from Independence Day? Uh, it's uh, uh, David uh, uh, Levinson. Okay. <laughs> As you can tell, he clearly loves Jeff Goldblum. But I remember one of his earliest roles was he's one of the people who murders and rapes uh, oh God, Charles Bronson's wife in the movie Death Wish. That's right. I haven't seen the original Death Wish. I have. I have. It's an interesting movie. I would actually like to discuss maybe some of those revenge films from back in the day, especially Death Wish 3. That's a fucking riot. Uh, I've seen but, of it. I'm like, oh, God, this looks fantastic. I believe that's also I believe Denzel Washington's also in that movie, too. Oh, um, shit. What? Yeah, he, he gets he gets like murdered by Charles Bronson's character. Um, but but no, going back to obviously going back to our topic. You know, it's always nice to see an actor in their early days, especially in something that they actually are top build in. So, you know, I've always been no, I've always been used to seeing Terry O'Quinn as, uh, you know, not a main star in a in a show, but always like a supporting yet pretty important pivotal role in shows, especially in Hawaii Five O. Like I said, he plays the um, mentor to Steve McGarrett's character um, back in the Navy SEALs. So it's always it's always um, fun to see an actor's early stuff. And, you know, I'm impressed with how he pulls it off, especially especially when um, towards the end. Well, no, backtrack to that. So when he when he's decided that, you know, Stephanie has um, Stephanie has ruined it for him, he basically decides he you see him start to start over so he quits his he quits his real estate agency job behind uh susan and stephanie's backs um you see that he's being he's ferrying off to a different town um or across the lake or whatnot you see him like change his identity does like, he just go back and forth <laughs> yeah he does <laughs> by the way i did not realize that was his that was a toupee the whole entire time he was wearing that <laughs> so right. like he's changing in the bathroom <laughs> But like the way he just is so he he's a fucking chameleon, Jerry. hundred um, percent, oh, or at least the stepfather, because um, Jerry's not his real name. We don't even know what the fuck his real name is. But yeah, it's fascinating to just see him like change his appearance and then just easily slip into a new role. And he's able to, and, and it's clearly something in real estate or finances or something in family stuff. But uh, yeah, he's able to slip into it so easily. And then when Susan find Susan like tries and calls the real estate agency to talk to him and they tell him, Oh no, he quit. And then like, you know, the scene where he's just like, oh. and, you know, he comes back home. He's, he comes back home to Susan is like, I just call any, she, and um, he's like Bill Hodgkins or whatnot. He's like, wait, who am I here? And that's when you really see him break. And then he just smacks uh, Susan with the phone. Yeah. Yeah, the moment that he just, the moment he just snaps like that, that's, oh, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> you know what? Do you know what was um, do you know what was my uh one comment I had during that moment after like, uh, Susan is knocked down into the basement. 
And when he has the Honey, knife, phones for you. <laughs> oh no, not that. When he sees the dog, and I'm like, in my notes, I have not the dog. God, please, no, not the dog. Well, I'm like, well, God damn it. Well, well, that was me in a drunken sale. Like, no, you fuck, not the dog. <laughs> God damn it, Locke, not the dog. <sighs> Luckily, Stephanie comes home and uh, the dog is spared. Or is he? We never really see the dog after that moment. Um, I don't, I don't, well, because we see the dog come up to Stephanie, but, uh, and he's a um, good boy. He's a good, he's like, who's a good boy? He's just like, you know, he just casually has the knife. Luckily he doesn't like point the knife down at the dog, but still I'm just like, oh, please don't, don't, don't. Thank you, Stephanie. I'm just like, please. And then, and then like Jim has arrived. He's been going door to door. He finally arrives. And you know, um, (laughs) I love how, I love how like, um, He's like, Henry? And uh, Jerry's like, Jim Oglaville, Ong- or, or whatever the fuck his name is. Jim. And like, he oh, just, he just oh, it's, oh, it's you, Jim. And he just stabs him to death. And he goes like, next time, Jim, why don't you give us a call ahead of time? <laughs> oh, God. God, this fucking, have- God, the fucking, like, this is such a fucking 80s movie with all these foreshadowing puns about murder and death and, like, oh, it, all it these really fucking cliche yeah. lines. You know, it kind of, it, it kind of reminds me of, of how, like, uh, some of the later Elm Street movies were getting. Uh, they got a little bit more self aware. Yeah, like, pretty much, like, after, uh, like, around part three, that's when he, like, that's, like, when Freddie was using uh, puns before his death, but it, it, it rode the line where it's like, okay, like that actually makes elevates it to make it a memorable moment. But then as it went on, he's just making fucking dad jokes. And it's so stupid. <sighs> but at least, Although at least, at least here, you know, in a movie called the stepfather, if he, if he's going to crack jokes, at least, okay. At least he's making dumb dad jokes. At least <laughs> here it fits. To be fair. I know I have, I have been guilty of plenty dad jokes. I know someone from work, who um, I'm just like I'm, go- who is like guilty of so many dad jokes. I've literally told him, um, you are, you know, your your puns are going to be the death of you. And he literally has told me, um, oh yeah, I firmly believe it will kill me one day. <laughs> god damn it. Oh my god, I died a little inside. Yeah. Mm. But, but yeah. Um, so when Stephanie gets home, that's when like that's when Jerry's like, I'm going full blown killer mode. <laughs> and he's like, Hi, honey. And he just tries to like he tries she, you know, she barricades herself in the bathroom. Just like Jerry just like is just like ra- hammering, hamming his fist down on the door. And I'm like, damn man. That's a strong, like that's a strong uh hammer fist you got there. Jeez. So just- Okay, okay, yeah. So, so one thing I wanted to comment on. So uh so with Stephanie, you, you get the obligatory uh, little flash of nudity from her. And then it's like, oh, OK, you're, you're just you're filling the trope. And then you realize, oh, the chick's supposed to be like 16. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Luckily, I actually actually I, I actually remember the moment she like unrobes and I'm actually holding my hand up to the screen, blocking, <laughs> blocking myself from seeing nudie because i'm like come on i'm not going to jail for this <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like come on you sub you subjugate me to fucking terry o'quinn's dick i don't need to see this jesus like, oh come my god on, like, man 
Um, it's like the <laughs> I just randomly thought of that moment from Talladega Nights. Please be eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> moving on <laughs> actually it reminds me we need to have a discussion about something similar after this but okay <laughs> all, the, um, all the viewers are gonna be so curious what this conversation is and to uh, be honest they, i have no idea what the fuck we're this there probably about. are but i'm um, sorry listeners that's not for your ears uh, but so the so the way that it, the, this all goes down like so like jerry just follows just like chases stephanie up the attic so one thing I, I read, one thing I found interesting. So like everything was shot on location in Vancouver, which I'm like, of course, everything's shot in Vancouver. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, that's not to say that's not a bad thing, though, because Vancouver, it really is a good filming location. Um, I would love to visit Vancouver one day because I think it really is a pretty place. But um, from what I understand, so the attic was a set, but the house itself was uh, a real house. Um, okay. Which I thought was interesting. I mean, you can definitely tell it's kind of a set too, because uh, you really think you have enough space to fit in an attic. Have you been inside an attic? There's not enough space around there to film. Like honestly, like I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed Terry O'Quinn <laughs> managed to fit through that little en- entrance. <laughs> and then, and then he's like, "Come on, come on, Stephanie. I just want to like, I just want to talk." I'm like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's a, like, what, what does it is like he he falls through the he falls through the fucking like a. Uh, weak spot in the floor and falls back into the bathroom <laughs> and i i will say like a backtracking just a bit the way terry o'quinn just fucking unleashes his rage on that bathroom door oh my god it was amazing i was, talking, I was just mentioning the hammer fist he's just banging on that fucking door he's like ah! yeah the way he just like bursts through the glass everything's like fuck <laughs> I mean, Jerry, I, I wrote in my notes, like, Jerry clearly has Psycho written all over him, but fuck, he could also be, and now that I'm thinking about it, this man could also be the Incredible Hulk for I, for I fucking care, like, jeez. Fuck, fuck Mark Ruffalo. Recast the Hulk as <laughs> Terry O'Quinn. Maybe I, would, maybe I would care about the MCU again, then. Side note, um, I think the Incredible Hulk movie is actually really underrated, and I wish they had used that version of the Hulk going forward. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying Edward Norton should have come back, but because I am Norton. <laughs> but but no, what my point is, I wish they hadn't turned the Hulk into a joke going forward. Um, the closest they the closest, turned everyone into a joke. Well, what I mean is, like in the first Avengers movie, um, the Hulk is that that movie. He's not quite the joke yet because he's still there's still remnants of the original kind of Bruce Banner portrayal, even though it's not, even though it's not Edward Norton, it's Mark Ruffalo trying to be more of a serious Bruce Banner than um, what go, what we get going forward. But still like the Hulk is still relatively closer to how the Hulk was portrayed in the incredible Hulk. And then going forward, he's just a fucking joke. Yeah. Especially by the time you get to Ragnarok. Yeah. And I, I will say like uh, with the, uh, like especially in retrospect, like I feel like so many of like especially like uh, some of the later MCU movies, I feel like all these writers are just trying desperately with because uh, after a while the quips annoyed the shit out of me because they just destroy they for the most part they destroyed the scenes that they're associated with like if they that reminds me of another that reminds me of another uh, something I need to ask you about later sorry sorry listeners oh, yeah it's not for oh, yeah, you to talk yes, about. yeah so uh uh. Uh, no, going back to but going back to this though, but no, you are right. Like Jerry's just going to town on that door, but and it's so fucking entertaining to watch. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and uh, yeah. So I, I need to get this point off. Everyone, I, I, is it just me or does it feel like so many of these MCU writers are just trying desperately to have like Joss Whedon esque writing? Well, I feel like Joss Whedon really kind of wrote the book on like how to. Well, I don't know because there was plenty of comedy in the very first Iron Man movie. Iron Man movie, so and that's also due to like it, just it, it's Robert it, Downey Jr. Well, plus like well, at least like Iron Man knew when to it knew when to crack a joke and when to have a serious moment. Yeah, I agree. I mean, well, I mean Thor also was pretty comical too, but that's just because that's a fish out of water thing. He's just like, this is delicious. I want another, and then he goes to the veterinarian and goes like, I need a horse. <laughs> yeah, no, because because at least like like. Like I'm not saying like the MCU can't have jokes, of course, but it's uh, but sometimes it sometimes it's more pro. Sometimes you need to know when. Yeah, no, like I, when I a joke say, is appropriate. I would say Age of Ultron is the best example of the worst, like, uh, of of the worst uh, shoving your face jokes. Like mm. I, I, I tried watching Age, Age of Ultron not too long ago. I'm like, God, this movie kind of sucks. <laughs> Well, I mean, so going, so then going off of that, then transitioning back to this, then so like, how, oh, I mean, yeah. obviously it's, well, but, 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 but no, in all seriousness, going back to, you know, it's obviously the eighties, there are all these like whores and puns. So I guess for, for, I guess with all these like references to murder and stuff and whatnot, family, like, how do you feel about the humor done here? It's, uh, some of like, I think some work, uh, you know, in pure, like it just has a pure form of dark comedy, but then other times it's like, uh, like I just picture the director just saying like, say something quippy <laughs> and like, uh, like again, like Terry Quinn like manages to make it work, but I feel like any less of an actor, it would be like unfucking watchable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, Again, that really goes to show that Terry O'Quinn really is the the selling point of this movie. Like, oh, 100%. he really he absolutely makes this movie work. It's the reason why this movie is probably as memorable as it is. And oh, so, yeah, I mean, I, oh yeah, like like pretty much like I would say like seventy percent of why I would recommend this movie to people who I think would uh, would enjoy it is for Terry O'Quinn because he's really th- that good in this movie. Speaking of which, you want to talk about his death? his death quote unquote because there's two more movies <laughs> well my point is is the way he supposedly dies because there's a fucking sequel apparently um two actually but he doesn't come he only comes back for the second one but the point is like jerry jerry a uh, fucking like you know you know like she's like um what is it she sees her mom like coming up the stairs at her and she's like limping up the stairs or crawling up the stairs she's all right she's alive all right um, but like Jerry comes at her, but luckily she's got Jim's. So Jim had a gun on him and he, before he sh- was able to fire it, uh, Jerry fucking killed him. So she has gotten the gun and, and he has shot him twice in the back. And then, um, and, uh, it's gotten Jerry pretty good. And then, you know, fucking, uh, Stephanie stabs him in the chest and Jerry's just like, I love you. And just tumbles down the stairs and fucking dies. And then you see how, and then Stephanie's just all relieved. (laughs) Shut up. The movie fucking this. It ends there. (laughs) So, so she, uh, she just sits on the stairs and is just contemplating. And then you cut. I guess you cut to some time later. And so, like they had built. So, at some point, um, 
he had they had bonded for a brief moment and uh, they built a tree they got a tree house he built a tree house for her and so what i like is how she um she she brings she cuts down the house right the the birdhouse that was made um that's what he built and uh i like how it's that that last shot of like just like them going into the house and you see the birdhouse like tumbled down onto the ground broken kind of like how um Jerry's own house is house of horrors is just broken on him and whatnot. I like that. The the point of this is like his whole house has like broken up and he's it's a lot no like longer po- in the picture. It's a lot. It's a lot like poetry sort of that, that, that they rhyme, <laughs> but no, I thought that was, I, I honestly really liked the final shot. I thought that was a good moment. I, I did too. Yeah. And uh, so that was, the stepfather. So, Eric, final thoughts. So, I mean, I'm still not truly sold on this movie. I mean, and I, again, that's there, nothing against the movie in general. Like, because they're definitely, we said it multiple times. Tara Quinn really holds this movie together. Like, I did, I would not give a shit any further if he wasn't in this. Um, I, I thought he was. I thought he was perfect. Um. There are some good moments in there. There's just too many cheesy puns and foreshadowing moments of murder and stuff. Especially it, when, like, especially yeah, when he says that. Especially not when he talks about. It's definitely not a subtle screenplay. No, especially when he talks about. Yeah, it's definitely not subtle. Especially when, like, he, like, remember when she kisses her, uh, when she kisses the boy she likes, and he's like, "Get away from her! You're raping her!" Oh God, yeah, like. Imagine being that guy in fu- like fucking Terry O'Quinn just like bursts out the door and starts yelling at you. I would shit my pants on the side. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I would. Uh, so at least like when it comes to it comes to me, like I because I I love horror movies and especially like uh, you know movies from uh, from this era. And so I I hold them to very different standards. You know, it's like like I like I'll say something like oh. I fucking love Friday the 13th part part three. It's a shitty movie, but it's very entertaining in what it set out to do. And, and I feel like what this movie tried to do was, uh, was not too far off from what other movies that, uh, tried to take influence from, from tragedies and, you know, just kind of twist it into, uh, into its own narrative. And, and so what, uh, so you know, it's a low low budget film, uh, you know, not uh, like not not too much money behind it, and you got a guy who has never had a leading role before, and it's one of those things where I feel like the right the right actor really did elevate this movie because this very well easily like if this if it wasn't for Terry O'Quinn, this movie. I'm sure it would have like a a small cult following, uh, you know, because the, the the dumbest movies always have cult followings. Fucking Manos, the Hands of Fate, has a cult following, yeah. And uh, and so, but I feel like because of Terry O'Quinn, people keep going back to this movie, and you know they're and you know it's uh, you know they they made a sequel, and they got. They got Terry O'Quinn to to come back. So not only do you have uh, not only do you have a guy who never uh, you know was never the lead in a movie before, but 
you know, gets critical acclaim and is offered to headline a, a sequel. And so, so if these, uh, so if these movies were the stepping stone into getting Terry O'Quinn in more into, uh, into the mainstream and eventually gave us lost, I'm okay with that. Mm. Yeah. If- this motherfucker, this motherfucker's never watched Lost. Shame, I know, I haven't. Shame, shame him in the comments. Didn't J.J. Abrams make that show? He produced it, but then he kind of didn't really have any involvement after like season two, I think. So it was just one of those things that where he just kind of he helped develop it, but it's uh, but like most things, he he doesn't know how to how to end it. So. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like how you feel about his Star Wars trilogy. I what Star Wars trilogy? <laughs> so going back to going back to my thoughts because I didn't finish. I didn't quite finish. But so I mean, again, I, I, it it doesn't suck. All right, it's not it's not a bad movie in the slightest. But I don't know. It definitely has its moments for me. But I I mean ultimately. I'm not sure if I can recommend it or whatnot. I'm not too. It's I'm not really positive. It's definitely it's an acquired taste for sure. Yeah, I guess I guess you could. I guess that's how I would narrow it down for me. So I mean, like, I mean, I don't mind horror movies. Uh, you know, I'm I'm like I said, I'm getting into them. One of my favorites is The Exorcist. Um, and I, you know, there's plenty more I would love to check out. I mean, um. There's a moment from Silence of the Lambs that I really enjoy. I never really think of it as a horror movie, but it's definitely a messed up movie, but um, a really great messed up movie. But I don't know here. It's just I don't know what it is. It's maybe maybe it's just the 80s cheese in it that probably killed it for me. I'm not I'm not too positive, but I don't know. So you like um, the, the 80s cheese made it more more enjoyable for me for you. Yeah, I mean, not for me, not for me too much, but I can definitely understand what you mean. But because well, but cause, no, yeah. Like, Oh, so, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was just I was just going to end it by saying just like, yeah, I mean, I mean, stepfather personally, it's it's fine. I, I don't I don't really if you if you like the cheesiness of the 80s and what this kind of movie is, I'm sure you'll get some entertainment value out of it. I mean, me personally, I'm probably never watch probably never going to watch this movie again, aside from the fact that I have to start the movie seeing Jer- Terry O'Quinn's dick. And I'm like, come on, guys. You will never get that image out of your head. No, I will never get that image out of me. The the next time you see Terry O'Quinn on screen, you'll just think of the back of your head. I've seen his dick. And I, and I really, (laughs) I hate this is how we're ending it with like dick talk. Jeez. (laughs) (sighs) Well, anyways, folks, be sure to follow the show on uh, Instagram at TNAPcast. That's T-N-A-A-P-C-A-S-T. Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel, like and comment on the videos there and leave us suggestions for future stuff. Um, also, it helps with the algorithm. And then it also helps with the algorithm if you uh, listen to, if you listen to the show on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now called. And, uh, you know, leave a leave a review. doesn't have to. If you want it to be five star, that'd be great. It'll definitely help out with the algorithm. And of course, if you have Spotify, we're also on there, too. So check us out. But um, yeah, that's well, gonna also, do it. I, I will say uh... Uh, given our next review, I was gonna say uh, hopefully we'll uh, the the next review will involve a little less uh, visible dick, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, it definitely well, well, that's gonna be well not only like, not oh only, well but, then I'll be lying. <laughs> well, yeah, but I will say it's it's glowing blue. Let's put it that way. 
Um, all I will say is the world will look up and shout, save us. And I'll be whispering, get me away from that. Uh, just quit flapping in front of me. Ah, <laughs> that's going to be a very interesting episode. But anyways, folks, uh, my name is Eric. This is Jeff. Uh, please have a wonderful rest of your day and, uh, stay shiny. Have a good one. Next level. Next level. Next level. Next level. Next level.